Parshas Balak, fascinatingly, both begins and ends with the act of seeing. The Parsha begins with Vayar Balak and Balak saw, while the final paragraph of the Parsha begins with the words Vayar Pinchas and Pinchas saw. To be more specific, Balak saw everything that Bnei Israel had done to the Amori. So Balak saw and subsequently responded with a plan to eliminate the powerful opposition in Am Yisrael. He had seen what they had accomplished, and he still dared to challenge Hashem's righteous nation. On the other hand, at the end of the Sidra, the Chumash records the tragic story of the Bnei Yisrael's worship of Baal Peor, where then the Torah highlights the heroism of Pinchas, who saw and then acted, executing Zimri, who was the leading culprit. Pinchas saw and also dared to challenge Hashem's people, but this time, it was at a moment when they were doing what was evil in the eyes of Hashem. Now, one might dismiss these two seeings as a coincidence of sorts. Perhaps one might appreciate the poetic effect of the opening and closing of the Sedra, but perhaps there is even greater significance to these two bookends. And if so, what might that significance be? What do Balak and Pinchas really have to do with one another? If we look beneath the surface, we will find more than just a textual parallel between Pinchas and Balak. There is much more that connects these two individuals. Where, in fact, is the common root of Pinchas and Balak? Before we answer that question, let's take a look closer in our Sidra to see where these two meet. At the end of the many prophecies which Bilam received and declaimed before Balak was a collection of messages addressed to a few nations, Israel, Edom, Amalek, and Cani. Now, among this select group, one nation seems to stand out. Which one of these four is not like the others? Which one just does not belong? Now, Am Yisrael is obviously the protagonist, so prophecy addressing them is reasonable. Edom and Amalek both descend from Esav, and each of them would remain as recurring rivals of the Bnei Yisrael. Thus, both of them are also relevant. That leaves one group left. Who is Cani? Who, in fact, are the Canaanite people who received an actually favorable prophecy from Bilaam? And why was Bilaam imparted with a message addressed to them anyway? How was Cani at all relevant? Now, as far as who Cani was, Chazal informs us that Cani is one of the names of none other than Yisro, the father-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu. Thus, the Canaanite people referred to in Bilaam's prophecy would have to have been Yisro's descendants. But the question remains as to the relevance. What's the relevance of Yisro? Yisro is addressed here, apparently, in connection and in contrast to Amalek, who was mentioned earlier in Bilaam's prophecy. The Canaanites lived in close proximity to Amalek, and in the times of Shal HaMelech and Shmuel HaNavi, when the Bnei Israel eventually target Amalek, they warned the righteous Canaanites to clear out so that they can avoid harm. But that was not the first time that Yisro dissociated from Amalek, much like Balak and Pinchas in our Parsha, both Yisro and Amalek acted in response to the Bnei Yisrael. However, unlike Balak and Pinchas, they apparently did not merit to quote-unquote see what was coming. As far as Amalek was concerned, the Torah relates that after Hashem performed many miracles for the Bnei Yisrael during the Exodus, Vayavo Amalek vayilachem im Yisrael berfidim, that Amalek merely arrived on the scene to do war with the Bnei Yisrael. The Torah does not specify that they saw, perceived, or processed the supernatural success of the Bnei Yisrael. 
And if you think about it, that's precisely characteristic of Amalek, the quote-unquote first nation to try its luck against Hashem's people, a nation who demonstrated no fear of Hashem. But Yisro also did not quote-unquote see. However, the Torah specifies Vaishma Yisro, Kohen Midyan, that Yisro heard about all of the incredible things that God had done for his people. Only after Yisro heard and perceived does the Torah relate that Vayavo Yisro, that Yisro came to see for himself. Yisro's senses told him it was appropriate to join God's nation. And after all, if you can't beat him, join him. But in so doing, Yisro challenged the negative status quo of paganism that surrounded him, and he joined the chosen nation and the religion of truth. The opposite reactions of Amalek and Yisro are certainly striking, but what's important for our purposes is that they bring us back to the opposite reactions of Pinchas and Balak. As was mentioned, Pinchas and Balak apparently had advantages that neither Amalek nor Yisro had. They saw. Now indeed, like Yisro and Amalek, both Pinchas and Balak dared to challenge some status quo. However, the status quo that they each challenged were worlds apart from one another. As was mentioned, Amalek naturally denied God's wonders and gave God no second thought before challenging his people. Yisro, by contrast, challenged the pagans. Fast forward to Balak. He had seen the might of Hashem and his people. He knew they were different and that there was no way he could beat them by any natural means. He saw, and yet he challenged them anyway. Granted, he didn't exactly blindly attack the way Amalek did, but he proceeded in Amalek's exact direction. Yes, he saw and therefore attempted to come up with a roundabout tactic to defeating the Bnei Israel. But to challenge Hashem's people meant to turn a blind eye to what he knew to be true, that he would not eliminate Hashem's people. The status quo in this case was absolutely not worth challenging. By contrast, Pinchas watched his own nation engaged in acts of immorality and idolatry. The easy thing would have been to just let everything happen and stay out of the way. But Pinchas realized that this was not okay, even if it seemed like the new status quo, and therefore he zealously acted to reverse the negative current. The contrast between Balak, who saw and sought to fight the current for evil, and Pinchas, who saw and sought to fight the current for good, cannot be mistaken. But the real tragedy, though, is that both Pinchas and Balak might have had it in their blood to successfully fight alongside Hashem against evil. But Balak just missed the boat. We know that Pinchas was the grandson of Aaron Cohen, but that was only on his father's side. However, Chazal teach that Pinchas's maternal grandfather was none other than Yisro. And yet, the Zohar teaches that Balak as well was a grandson of none other than Yisro. Indeed, that means that Pinchas and Balak were not only related, but they were possibly first cousins, once again linked by the grandfather they shared, Yisro. What the above might tell us is that Balak innately had the tools to make the right decision. It was in his DNA to go against the grain for the good, like his father, or his grandfather, I should say, Yisro. Thus, when Bilam prophesied the fate of Cani, allies of Klal Yisrael, he spelled out what Balak missed out on by not following his grandfather for good. Instead, despite what Balak had seen and known to be true, he chose to follow the blind Amalek. 
Granted, like his grandfather, he dared to go against the grain, but more fundamentally, like Amalek, he picked the fight with God's nation. On the other hand, Pinchas chose to follow his grandfather and go against the grain to fight for the truth, for the will of Hashem. In the end, both Pinchas and Balak saw and acted. Both had it in them to challenge the status quo, and yet the difference between the two cousins was the difference between night and day, right and wrong, truth and falsehood, and ultimately between Yisrael la'amim. There is a place for audacity in life, but the direction and circumstances make all the difference. And if we choose to follow Yisrael and his grandson, Pinchas, we will have the opportunity to perceive the truth and the holy audacity to stand up for the truth.